Quantum Kickflip returns in the fall with all new action-packed adventures. But first, let's check in with the members of Gold Star Disaster. Helix Pinnacle. At the start of the season, I think Helix was uh, very much just set up, at least by me, at least in my mind, to be a real, like, average operablen teen, uh, a very, like, participatory, likable, all-around good kid, kind of like, you know, if he was in a uh, not-cyberpunk world, he'd be like a quarterback or, uh, you know, debate champion, um, like, real keen, a real Zac Efron type, uh, and then take that trope of the the average male teen and be like, what does that look like in Operablem? Uh, What does that look like in a cyberpunk dystopia uh, playing uh, with that, that's just kind of even where the um, pinnacle came from. He's sort of that like quintessential boy. I can smell psionic lightning lingering on your clothes, Helix. Do you see any psionic lightning damage to my skin? No, but it still means. Do you see any psionic lightning singes to my hair follicles? No. Do you see any psionic lightning damage done to the? little bottom of my uh, purple jumpsuit as if I got zapped on my tuchus, uh like a naughty little boy. <laughs> <laughs> you admit you were off-world then? <sighs> yes, I was in Prismatia playing with my friends. Big key moment for Helix this season was uh, the events at the Popularia party that they went to he did the big loop the loop uh tried to do a stunt there kind of had a lesson in humility a lesson in what real cool looks like thanks brinley did you guys see the stunt that i pulled they don't even know how to tally a trick like that on the leaderboard (laughs) (laughs) yeah um good job you did it and i think the other big beat obviously was this last run the stunts run uh where he got to kind of meet his idols realize maybe it's not all that's cracked up to be uh, and I think that that was key for him in the way uh, some of those lessons were key for me as a teen. Uh, just that idea that, like, you're trying to find your identity when you're that young, but you don't have enough life experience. So you sort of glom on to brands or bands or, like, concepts. Like, I'm a, I'm a gamer. I'm a this thing. I'm a, I love this band. Um, and, and that's not really a personality, but when you're a teenager, you don't really know any better. Come on and take on our challenge. Y- yes. Yes. And, and then he he, he nut taps you. Just like, bam! Just call it. Right <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, I am in a lot of discomfort and joy. I mean, aside from the stunts crew, I, I don't know necessarily if there's like NPCs that have really affected Helix. Uh, it's definitely been more his like experiences out in the world, whether it was the clandestine operation on behalf of Shimmer uh, or kind of going to other dimensions and partying, meeting the Wicks, interacting with the Wicks, interacting with this new crew. Um, his, his, his impact has more been environmental, I think. Congratulations. I guess Gold Star Disaster specializes in stupid slug plastic. Thank you. <laughs> I think the big change for the character where he's at now is that he's had this chance to meet his idols. He's had this chance to sort of have his world rocked and learn that there's a little bit more to like finding who you are than an easy identifiable label as a stuntsman or just sort of like 
attention for attention's sake. And he's not a stuntman, uh, and he's not even sure what it means to be a Pinnacle Project participant anymore. Uh, it, what, what does it mean to be Helix Pinnacle? Uh, we're going to find out. meet Brinley. Uh, she is working for post host at a courier job. She likes to do parkour. She likes to take big risks. And she's also kind of dumb, but uh, she's still observant and she still uh, cares about people and just understands things in her own way. I do have to give this delivery to Trev 4, so... Brynn, that was... That was a lie, right? You know that that's yeah, that not... Yeah, was, it was my understanding you were bluffing. Did you really have a package for Trev 4? <laughs> you, you know we made that up, right, Brent? I threw that to you. It's, you can't be sure with that. I was backing it. you up. It was a, it was <laughs> I lied so good, I fooled myself. Oh, man. <laughs> I think a major moment for Brindley uh, was being asked specifically to deliver a new prototype of candy to Mr. Wilkie himself in the Wilkie's Candy Lab. Uh, it involves finding a brand new dimension and going through all sorts of uh, shenanigans to illustrate her commitment to her relationship with what is later revealed to be the crime organization Shimmer. She takes off running, uses the impulse rig to like Iron Man style, like give herself a boost of speed. And as she's in the air, she whips her hoverboard off her back and throws it under her feet. As far as NPCs go, um, her primary contact with Shimmer is a woman named Hattie who uh, is the, the person who recruited Brinley to start doing inter-tower deliveries in the first place and who sent her on the candy delivery mission. As uh, Hattie walks you out, she leans into you, Brinley, and says, how'd it go? Yeah, he said he'd get his niblets on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll assume that's a web thing but you did real good. Happy to uh, do my job. And she leans in close enough so that only you can hear. And she says, Gabor's going to be happy about this one. And yeah, as as Brinley currently stands, she honestly hasn't changed that much. She still really uh, loves parkour. She still loves doing tricks and taking big risks. Um, but she does have a new thumb now. So, so that's different. When we first meet Maeve, she is very driven, very determined. She's trying to put her crew on the map, but I think she knows they're missing something and she's desperately trying to figure out what that is. Uh, and semi-related to that, she pretty much immediately develops a huge crush on Walton Wick. Uh, decides that he needs to join their crew. His his uh, face catches the light in the right way, and she realizes, like, oh, damn. Um, <laughs> Slow-mo, slight swish of the hair as he turns to look. <laughs> yeah. Bubbles still floating around behind. Yeah, like yeah all the bubbles, bubbles drifting in the background. It's, like, soft-focused. I can hear the soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> uh, you are going to take the emotional slam of Smitten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. 
A big moment for Maeve was very early on, actually, when she and Brinley and Helix ended up in a Daibokin race uh, while they were looking for Walton, and she ended up being filmed with her crew, which was a big problem because Maeve is also an arborist, which is like an order of monks who are caretakers of the multiverse, uh, and the arborists are not very happy with how Maeve has been representing their order. Uh, Forrester Tarmant is uh, a uh, plogi. Uh, that means uh, 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 hallowed. Uh, Vorgel, uh, that means uh, sacred. Uh, Scrod heap. Uh, now that one's uh, it sounds a little odd, but it's uh, it's uh, a bounty like a, like one of those horns of plenty. You know, it's like a, a heap of, of riches. Uh, Vux hole. Now that one. <laughs> that one is. Uh, um, like we want, we want to be the the, the vessel uh, to be filled with divine light. So to, to reiterate, Forrester Tarment is a plogi Vorgel Scrodheap Vux hole. If we could get everyone to say that together, please. Forrester Tarment is a plogi <laughs> Vorgel Scrodheap Vux hole. I think an NPC who has had a huge impact on Maeve is Forrester Carmina, who is one of the leaders of the Arborists living back in Thenispar. Um, we haven't really been told exactly what went down, but it's clear that Maeve is not with the Arborists entirely by her own decision, and that Carmina is giving her some kind of a second chance. And I think Maeve is grateful for that and genuinely wants to do right by her mentor, but also can't reconcile that with her crew, which has always been the most important thing to her. You know why I'm here. You know what my options were. You, you know that this opportunity means everything to me, but crew means more. Well, then maybe if that's why you're here, you shouldn't be here anymore. Where we find Maeve now is uh, her past is coming back to haunt her in a very literal way as she just got woken up by a ghost at the end of the last episode. So uh, I'm excited for everyone to see what this ghost wants and what secrets Maeve has been hiding this whole time. Walton Wick. When we first meet Walt at the start of the season, he's really not very sure of himself as a slug blaster. He hasn't really had much experience with that, mostly just being brought out to things uh, by his cousins, the, the Wicks. Uh, and he's, he's very laid back and he's trying to get into things as people encourage him, but he's really mostly focused on his partnership with his uh, Daibokin companion, Scampykin. Scampykin! Foam jet right to the center of the disc! <laughs> and from behind his shoulder floats out a, a little orange, sort of hard light hologram, and it looks very much like a prawn. It has a lot of very shrimpy features to it. Scamp! Scampy! Scrum! And uh, as his little sort of pincers <laughs> shoot up forward, he emits a stream of bubbles. Wolt is dealing with some level of perhaps neglect at home with his parents always being away for work and things like that uh, and his connection with his cousins is really something that's st starting to draw him out of his shell allowing him to meet other people and eventually he does join up with gold star disaster i think throughout the season Walt has had a lot of growth in how he interacts with his daibokin partner and having scampikin uh, initially first surge into Carcinican and then into further states like Arthrakin, uh, and also just being able to stay at the Carcinican level after a few different upgrades from uh, possibly illicit uh, materials. Uh, he's really grown a little more confident in that partnership there, if not quite 
in his ability to slug last. Walton and I have been training. We've upped my power levels and I'm able to data surge for a temporary amount of time in my more powerful form, Arthur. Oh, <laughs> well, it was Arthurkin, but now I'm back to Carcinikin. How does that, like, are you the same person or are you different people in the same body? Is it a, well, technically, it a fight club or a split? What are we doing here? <laughs> I feel like Walt was able to further figure out who he is through the crew's journey into Daibokan and getting to learn more about what he wants to do as a Daibokan trainer, as well as realizing that that's some of the stuff that's important to him and being able to know what it is about him that he finds interesting and cool is part of what makes him unique. I think throughout this season, Walt has started to develop a very interesting NPC relationship with Olive Fraxinus, uh, the all-star Daibokan trainer, both in seeing her panel at Daibokan and then reconnecting with her to sort of be drawn into this underground Daibokin battling circuit. I think it's leading to a point where they may be able to uh, work with each other to grow as trainers, but also possibly develop a rivalry. I, I think there's a lot of ground for the two of them to continue to interact as characters. There's a pretty prestigious tournament going on pretty soon, you know. Really? It's a secret underground tournament. No one's supposed to know about it. Oh. Are, are you competing? I... I'd love to come watch. That that'd be incredible to see you take on some sort of secret secret tournament. You you you'd sweep the bracket, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but I have to make sure that there's proper challenges, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> wouldn't want to have a, a boring match or anything. Like you'd you'd be going up against all kinds of trainers with their with their primary forms and polished forms and. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of stares at you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, pri- primary forms. Are you trying to tell me where this tournament is? I know why the caged Dybakin sings. And then she winks at you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Somewhat ironically, despite all of this growth that Walt has had uh, between himself and his Dybakin partner, I feel like his view upon himself as a slug blaster has really come right back around to where he started. At the end of the stunts run, he doesn't feel like he's been making progress. He's not quite sure he knows what slug blasting is about anymore. And he really feels just as lost as he did back when his cousins asked him to join that game of Quantum Conqueror. He's at a point where he doesn't know if slug blasting is the thing for him, but it is an activity where he's been able to establish these bonds that do mean a lot to him. And he's kind of grappling with, these are people that I care about, but I don't know if I'm good enough to be here. Trev stands for Telemetric Robot Empathy Valet. Uh, A robot designed by the Kindred Corporation act as kind of like a human resources to encourage employees uh, to address their concerns so that these employees can be more productive. And uh, also a a stalwart, uh, you know, employee for Kindred, always their flag bearer and very proud to enforce Kindred rules. He is an older model. They have much more updated Trev models, and uh, he, he being an older one, has now been relegated to a rental bot shop, uh, where if somebody needs a robot for the day, they can come down to the bot shop, rent Trev Ford to help him out, and then he's returned to the, uh, the shop at the end of the day, gets his memory wiped, and uh, that was his existence for the longest time. 
not knowing what had happened before. And uh, things changed when he would run into the group that would one day become Gold Star Disaster. Y'all, I, I thought we really jarfed that one up, but uh, <laughs> things are looking pretty blessed here. We got we got a lot of reactions, a lot of likes, a lot of a lot of follows. We we ought to think about setting a, a crew name and getting our branding in order because uh, we're we're getting a lot of attention here. This is uh, this is looking real good. I have a suggestion for a team name. Uh, yeah, shoot. May I suggest the name? The team of Maybelline, Helix, Brinley, <laughs> Trevor, and Walton. Oh, jeez, you really took the heat hard there, buddy. Uh, we'll, we'll need to get you hooked right up to a fan rack or something. I mean, I like it. I like that I'm first in the order, so I think it should. We, should, we shouldn't just dismiss it out of hand. I thought it was very creative not to use our last names. And he comes across a, a, a discarded ice chip. An ice chip is a a small uh, computer chip that can prevent memory wipes from happening from the the system. And so he inserts it, he goes and uh, continues on with his crew building a a stronger rapport. And uh, and of course what happens to these Treviotans and why they're memory wiped is that he starts developing his own thoughts and ideas as he uh, pursues what people are actually like. Uh, and it's led him uh, uh, along to uh, start questioning kindred policies and rules and, you know, how much he should tow that uh, company line. Can't believe I'm saying this, but if we're subtle about what we do here, then maybe we won't get branded as kindred. But if we make a big splash and then they hear that we were here because kindred told us to, then people might think that we are. All right, well, subtle. We could do subtle. We're always subtle, yeah. We can do this. It's at this point that the uh, loudspeakers on Trevor's chest uh, start erupting. This is Kindred, we are coming. This is Kindred, welcome to us. And uh, it, it does make sense fully, because it, it gets lost in some sort of translation. <laughs> Uh, but it is erupting from uh, Trevor's chest. I had never conceived that they would have like national anthems for the towers, but of course they do, and of course that's what Kindred sounds like. And thank you for giving me this gift. And of course, it's been revealed to him recently in a in a more recent run that he uh, was. Uh, not just a robot from for Kindred, but at some point he had joined up with Shimmer and had uh, actively been working against Kindred. They didn't actually want empathy robots. Really, what Trev models are meant to be is the telemetric response to employee violations. They're meant to break up uh, unions. They're meant to keep employees in line. They're not there to help employees. They're there to make sure that things don't get out of hand. Gabor rises and makes his way across the desk. He walks towards the door of the office, but before he leaves, he stops. He turns back and looks at Trev Four and he says, We're rising up. And we're taking Kindred Corporation down. Uh, one person that's very special to him is somebody that has that w- was his previous renter, somebody named Stanch. And Stanch has been, you know, slowly noticing that Trev is not getting his memory wipes and has slowly built, uh, you know, a little bit of this connection again. We don't know where that's going to go or if it's going to continue. Uh, it could 
potentially get uh, Trev in a lot of trouble. And Faye says, I did it, I did it, Trev 4, I did it. And, and Trev 4, you know, uh, goes up to Faye uh, and, and like all over Faye, just like sticker, 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 sticker. And uh, open, opens up and like hugs Faye. And that's the end of the video in your hard drive. Where is Faye? Listen, Trev, I'm glad you're back up and running. I'm sorry if you've had a, a rough day, but I, I have got to get going. Seems like this is a difficult thing to talk about. I will let you be. But thank you for showing me this very lovely memory. Trev has been uh, grappling with uh, the idea uh, of what is his role supposed to be. If he's not really a, an empathy robot, if he's supposed to be this, you know, union buster, what is his purpose? Uh, and he's trying to figure that out. All he knows is he's trying to be the best slug blaster that he can be and uh, working on himself to be the best support he can be to his friends. Trev 4 on a brand new adventure on Wednesday, September 13th.